Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. We are talking to Lindsay Hostetler, writer and editor for Blazers Edge, and we're going to talk a little bit of Blazers. Welcome, Lindsay. It's great to have you back. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? Have you recovered from the very exciting Blazers season? Uh, not quite yet. I'm I'm still just kind of in shock that we made it through the Western Conference Finals. Even I mean, even if we got swept, I mean, we made it to the Western Conference Finals in the first place. Yeah, right on. Well, our plan for today is to kind of put a bow on the past season and maybe talk just a tiny little bit about what we are looking forward to. Before we get into that, let me just remind everybody that you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast by subscribing to the Blazers Edge podcast on whatever uh, podcast platform you use. We are so glad that you found us. And even continuing through the summer, we're going to try to have new stuff for you, if not every week, then just about every week. I mean, at some point, we're going to get a little bit of time off too. But uh, if you like what we're doing and want to hear more, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast feed. Let's start out with an icebreaker. Cassidy, you got something for us to start off with? Yes, I'm thinking if you could go back in time and watch one basketball game live in person, what would you pick? And is there anything you would be watching for in particular? Oh, that's hard. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know if I have my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, do you have one? I do. Um, I don't have a specific game per se, but... I would really, really love to go watch the Sonics play the Bulls in the 1996 NBA Finals. Um, and one of the things I'd be watching for is that I, I'm a huge fan of Detlef Schrempf. And, um, you know, just getting a chance to watch him play live again would be phenomenal for me. Right on. Because you were, were you in Seattle at that time? No, I actually. I actually had just moved to Hillsborough and okay. and I got I got pretty roasted at school for wearing my Sonics gear that spring. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a Detlef Shrimp beanie baby in my desk and now I have figured out where his new home should be. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm totally gonna bring that home and when I see you one of these days, I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> Score. <laughs> Cassidy, have you thought of one or should I go? Okay, you go and then I'll decide. I'm torn. Okay. <laughs> so I had two to choose from. I mean, I guess there's obviously the championship, but that's not the one I'm going to pick. Ah, I think I'm going to pick the Andre Miller 52-point game. <laughs> I remember listening to that game in the car because I was driving my kids around to their own soccer practices or whatever activities they were doing at that time. And I listened to it on the radio and it was so much fun. Uh, I loved Andre Miller. I loved how he played. I loved everything about him. And I think if I could have been there in person, it just would have been even more fun. So I think that's the one I'm going to pick. Okay. Since no one picked it, I'm going to go with one of my torn choices. I would go back and I'd watch the 1977 championship last game 
and I think what I would be watching for more than anything on the court, because I've watched that video many a time, um, is uh, fan reactions. Oh, I think that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah. I'd be looking to just look at people's faces as it was happening. I hadn't ever thought about it from that point of, of view. Right. And like in this scenario, do we already know what the outcome is? Like, are we could can we travel back in time and choose one, or do we have to watch it <laughs> unfold in front of us? We'll have to save Ooh. that one for another one. Yeah, we'll have to talk that for sure. Well, the other game that I was like contemplating was the B Roy comeback game. Yep, me too. Because um, mm. that was another one that I listened to in the radio and um, or on the radio, and just. Uh, you know, the feeling of electricity that must have been in that uh, in arena while that was happening must have just been, like, indescribable. I mean, Andre Miller, that was just kind of, like, crazy chaos, I think. But the B-Roy thing, like, meant so much more because – and, like, didn't that turn out to be, like, his final yeah. game that he played? Yeah. Yeah, just so much meaning. And, like, you were talking about fan reaction. I imagine, like, just all of the emotion that was in the arena at that time must have been, like, pretty much palatable. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I was there for that one. Oh, you were? Mm. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Do you, like, do you have any, like, specific memories from it? I don't remember much. I was going through, like, some concussion stuff at the time. But, oh. um. I do remember just the feeling and I just remember being so excited. And then I was there for Dame's shot against Houston as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like that was the same feeling again happening. Wow. So cool. Well, there's a lot of good things that happened this weekend. That's not going to come or this, uh, <laughs> this season, that's not going to come as uh, any great shock. So we thought that we would go through and re recount some more of our bests of the season to kind of put a bow on it and maybe just do a little bit of peeking into what we're thinking about for the future. So I got a whole list of questions to ask you what was your best or what was your favorite. So let's start off with what do you both think? What was your best game of the season? Um, anybody who wants to go first? Well, I got, I have one. Um, the last game of the season was to me the most unexpected. And, uh, you know, I think part of it was that coach Stotts seemed like he left the decision as to how the game was going to go up to the players who were on the floor. And it, as a viewer of the game, it really caught me off guard because it seemed at first like we were trying to lose it. And then the young guys decided, nah, we weren't going to lose it. Um, it was really clear Anthony Simons wanted to win it. And, you know, it it really felt like it tied up the season in a lot of ways. Um, and it felt like a preview of the future uh, with Anthony's stellar performance. Yeah, that was that uh, that was that Sacramento game. Yeah. Yeah, I if I could vote for the if I had to vote for the most bonkers game of the season, I think that would definitely be my choice. That game was so bonkers. How about you, Cassidy? What did you think of it? I loved that game. I loved everything about that game. I wonder what was said on the bench when things started turning because I have a feeling there was some little comment. Somebody took it as, okay, now we're going to win this game. And they went out there and won that game. And it was, 
It was so much fun to watch. I loved that one. Um, uh, I think I'm going to have to pick a postseason game for mine. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to pick game five against OKC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that game. And for me, it was just the series, the comeback, the shot, the wave, showing Raymond Felton's face on the camera. It was just magical for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely a ton of good stuff about Game 5. I thought Game 7 in Denver was another one that was, um, you know, kind of magical and kind of captured because that was another one where, uh, you know, they got down in a hole and they were able to to fight back. But the one that I would choose for, for the one that kind of set the tone for the season for me, the one I really enjoyed just a ton was the Golden State Warrior uh, game on February 13th where Zach Collins got all colorful (laughs) (laughs) and and got Clay Thompson all knocked out of his uh, game. And, oh, I I just love chaos so much. And that one was just like, I thought that was that was really fun. I really love it when Zach gets chippy. Mm -hmm. So that game was great for me personally. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i love all in any chippy games so <laughs> totally well maybe uh maybe that's something that i mean do you guys think that that's something that might be a you know regular thing from zach collins moving forward absolutely 100 percent. uh that's just how he's made as a player he's not going to back down from anyone ever and he's not going to take any guff even if a guy is older or a veteran or more experienced, um, he's going to stand his ground. And that's just, that's the way he plays his game. And, you know, if, if somebody like Clay Thompson's going to get in his face or like we saw Rajon Rondo last year in new Orleans, try to, you know, swat the ball out of his hands, you're, you're gonna, you're going to get it in return. And like I said, he's not going to back down from anyone. Okay, so moving on from best game of the season, how about individual performance from a player? Yeah, I you know, like I said, Anthony Simon's performance against Sacramento, it really was like this preview of the future of where the Blazers could go, what we could accomplish. Even before we went so deep into the postseason, everybody was just so optimistic about our future chances. And, you know, he had uh, 37 points six rebounds and nine assists in, in the entirety of the 48 minutes he played. And that's, it's really just phenomenal for such a young player to come out and, and do those things on the court. Right on. What about you, Cassidy? Oh, you go first. <laughs> okay. So it seems like an eternity ago, but, but um, first of all, there was the Nick Stauskas breakout game, <laughs> the first game of the season against the Lakers, where everyone was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I remember, you know, on January 1st when, you know, it was announced that he was signed and everybody was just kind of like, okay. Uh, then we got to know him and then he, you know, he came out and he just, you know, it was just fun with like the whole storyline of that game. But Mm -hmm. shortly after that, Mr. Jake Lehman became a bit of a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, he was dunking all over everybody and alley-ooping all all over everybody. 
and that uh, the game against Phoenix, where he just like went off in that one quarter, I thought that was an outstanding performance. But it was against Phoenix, so it's kind of hard to like <laughs> call that out <laughs> as the best. So I will um, go with Yusuf Nurkic's five by five. Um, that was incredible, not just because he got. Um, you know, at least five in all the statistical categories, but because he got 24 points and 23 rebounds in that five by five. And that was like, to me, I just loved the revelation of Yusuf Nurkic being able to do so much that like, you know, became a storyline this season. And the fact that he was able to achieve that. And it was the one I think that had the most points scored in a five by five or if not one of the one of the most points scored in a five by five i'm gonna vote for that one even over his uh did he have a triple double too i feel like everybody but damien had a triple double i feel it felt like that too so how about you cassidy okay mine's a little it's a bittersweet game so i'm gonna go with and this is a very recent game. I'm going to go with Myers Leonard in game four of the Golden State series. It was a hard game, but that was the bright spot for me, was watching Myers just be Myers. And I don't know. It was a beautiful thing for me to watch. I, I've i been hard on Myers during different parts watching him, but I think this was finally like the, oh, we see it. We see it. Like, I don't know. It was It was a fun night. To be part of so for we that just, reason. We just talked about best individual performances, and Lindsay said Anthony Simons. I said Yusuf Nurkic. You said Myers Leonard. None of us said Damian Lillard, so I feel like maybe we should have our own special category just for yeah. Damian Lillard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was your guys' like, or what was y'all's favorite just kind of thing about him this season? Just like in, you know, you could pick anything at all about you know, either a performance on the court, off the court, individual night, you know, something that happened over time. What were some of your favorite reflections, I guess, about Damian Lillard this season? I just thought he was so self-assured this season. Like he seemed to reach this next level of maturity in his game that was just so incredible. And I mean, we saw that, especially in the playoffs. Um, You know, he's been kind of dragged in the press for not being a leader in the playoffs, uh, especially after we got swept by New Orleans last year. But I mean, he, he took his game to the next level over the course of the season. And he showed that in the playoffs. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, game five just deserves to be talked about in its own category period. Uh, You know, the shot was incredible. And there's there's no denying or arguing with that. Well, it was a bad shot. Yeah, (laughs) right. Sure. (laughs) Says Paul George. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember in that game, there was a moment when one of my I mean, obviously, the shot was incredible. um, But one of my favorite moments in that game was a point where Russ was on the three point line and Damien was going out to guard him. And then he just stopped and kind of like waved his hand a <laughs> yeah. little bit and turned around and went the other way. And then Ross, Russ clangs it off. And then the Blazers like run down to the other end and Damien gets the ball and just like sinks a 30 foot shot. And it was just like, oh, you and your three point shot attempts. Let me show you how three point shots are taken. I just loved that so much. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I think just 
knowing the tone he set for the team this year on Mm -hmm. and off the court, I think is a remarkable thing. And it shows a level of maturity and leadership ability that I just think is so rare. And we're so lucky as a fan base to have it. And I think I felt more grateful this year than I ever have been for that. Just seeing what he does in the community and seeing what he does for his teammates and that level of caring. And I think it was, I think being a dad also has sparked something else in him as well. And I think it's just been a a spectacular season to watch him. Yeah. And I also particularly loved his ability to get to the basket. (laughs) That was super handy a whole bunch of times. (laughs) Because not only could he take that beautiful super long three which is really like opened up a whole world of opportunities for them to explore I think even next year I mean all year he's been taking those really long ones but I think next year it's gonna change the way people play against the Blazers um but his ability to just do those line drives right to the rim, which he kind of got stymied with in the eventually in the playoffs, at least in the second round. And then I don't think he got much in the third round. But during the regular season in that first round, his ability to just put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, I just felt like he had improved that even more this year. And I still, even though Dan always complains about him, I still love his bounce passes in between defenders. (laughs) They're so fun. (laughs) They really, really are. Um, Okay. So let's move on to off the, the best off the court storyline that you enjoyed this season. Lindsay, do you have one? I think the elevator is (laughs) far and away the best off the court storyline. Um, I just remember my my phone started going off and I was in class and I checked it and I literally stopped class and said, oh, my gosh, the Blazers are stuck in an elevator. And my <laughs> students were like, what? The Blazers are stuck in an elevator? Mm-hmm. And we, we had to take like five minutes to figure out what was actually going on. So... <laughs> Your students are so lucky to have you. I wish my oh. mom. <laughs> wish I had that. Like, okay, we're gonna put a pin in this discussion of you know, like whatever, like complicated, you know, English thing we're talking about right now because we need to figure out like, are they okay? Are they gonna get out of the elevator? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who brought snacks? Yeah. Are there juice yeah. boxes? Like, these are the things we need to know. What um, about you, Cassidy? I mean, we all know I love the elevator. I love the elevator so much. I love, I just love it. Um, But I guess I will go with the Halloween costumes. Mm -hmm. We're spectacular. Team bonding at its finest. And just, I mean, what a way to show the rest of the league how great we are. Like, (laughs) totally full-blown Halloween costumes. Well, so... um First, one that was fun that started in the offseason was the CJ and Jennifer, a friend of the show, Jennifer Williams, who came on our show and was so much fun to be as a guest. So the just the fact that Portland had their own like homespun catchphrase or like adopted catchphrase for the whole season, I'm trying, Jennifer, 
it was really fun to just like kind of have that as like a code word to know, like to find out whether or not somebody was like, you know, in the know about the blazer stuff. Uh, and then, you know, finally that they finally got to meet. I thought that was really fun. But I also loved Ellie Leonard as a sharpshooter, <laughs> which if if people haven't seen it. So Ellie Leonard, Myers Leonard's wife, frequently posts on Instagram her workouts, which she happens to love to play basketball and love to shoot. And she's like a total trickster. And she she can like throw both basketballs at the same time and make both of them. And I mean, she and she does tricks and there is just so fun. But one of the things I thought was so great about it is she started posting them and then people started basically like piling on Myers because, of course, that's what everybody loves to do. They think that's really clever. And then she wrote a really nice and thoughtful piece about how hard it is to really do that when you're a basketball player and you're like actually on the floor and you've got people in your face, like giant people who are seven feet tall trying to mm -hmm. stop you and I just thought it was a lovely way for her to be like, hey, what I'm doing is a trick and what he's doing is, you know, really hard and what everybody else is doing is really hard. I just thought that was kind of a cool, uh, mm -hmm. cool story, the way it unfolded like that. Yeah, I wrote the news story for Blazer's Edge on that piece. And one of the things I liked about covering that was it was clear how much she loves her husband and how much she loves the game, but also how much she values the work and the effort he puts into the game to become a better player. Um, and I just, you know, she's such a source of support for Myers and it, it's incredible to, to get those little peeks into their relationship and their romance. Okay. Moving on to best off the court individual performance. So, I mean, we had uh, – I mean, I guess Ellie's might have been an off-the-court – I don't know. Should we go into this question? <laughs> Does anybody have any other uh, individual off-the-court performances they want to talk about? Yusuf Nurkic, game five. Definitely. That's it. That's, like, yeah, hands down. Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> driving to the arena. Yeah. Yeah. That game was five. It. Show it up. So it's special. a movie. It's a movie <laughs> plot. It's it it's, literally is. It's so good. Yep. That one's gotta go to Nurk. Yeah. <laughs> and dropping the F bomb afterwards. <laughs> yeah. That was so, I couldn't even believe I was watching it on TV and I was like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? And I was like frantically trying to type up a story about um the buzzer beater for blazer's edge at the time and i'm like there's all these things going on i'm like wait did nurk just drop the f-bomb on live television what <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> well and also nurkic's just general t-shirt game as oh, he's gosh. Been off of the... <laughs> i mean there's there's some pretty good stuff in there yes yeah. yes Okay, how's about we um, – who did you guys think was the most improved Blazer this season? Hmm. That's a really hard one just because I feel like a lot of guys turned in um, performances that were really improved. Um, you know, Mo Harkless showed a lot of growth, especially on defense. Um, 
you know, he, he handed in uh, several consistent defensive performances night after night that were fun to watch. Myers really stepped up in the playoffs when he got his opportunity. Um, Jake Lehman had some awesome backdoor cuts and lots of bounce and, you know, showed that maybe he's worth a, a contract. Um, and obviously I'm going to say it cause I'm probably his biggest fan is, uh, Zach Collins grew a lot over the season too. You know, he had kind of that sophomore slump at the beginning of the year, but then in the playoffs, he was excellent and just, you know, handed in solid performance after solid performance in these really big games. And I'm really excited to see about what he can do going forward. What do you think were his areas where he showed the most most growth? Uh, going up vertically and not fouling. Um, I think a lot of the foul calls he tends to get are a little questionable. Of like, well, no, he got all ball, or you know, but he's not. He's not. He said he's blocking correctly and he's moving his body in space correctly, and that shows as well on his screens. Um, he's setting better screens. He's not setting illegal screens or moving screens. Um, and because of the weight he's put on, he's also setting, you know, firmer screens. I think he's taken some lessons from Myers in that respect. Mm-hmm. Right on. How about you, Cassidy? Most oh, improved man. Blazer? I think, oh man, it's, it's funny because they all improved in such a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think, choose one. oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. I, I got to go with Mo. It was really fun to watch Mo have those those high points. And I think a lot of the time we forget Mo went through an injury last year. Um, and so to see him come back this season and then be headband Mo, that was definitely – he's going to win my most improved for that. But it's a hard one. What do you say to detractors who maybe still don't believe in heart? Like, do you feel like at the – like in the past, there have been people who like maybe don't all, all the way believe in Mo. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you've gotten to a place where you feel like Mo has become lived up to his potential that we keep hearing about? Or and then what do you say to people who think that he hasn't? I don't. I don't know if we've seen full potential, but I I tend to believe that we've. I kind of live by the standard of that you, you're never going to see full potential because you always should be improving. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think you have to look beyond the stat sheet. You have to look at the little things that he does off the ball and the plays he mo- makes and the, the quickness in thought a lot of the time. And I think you got to see what he also does for the team dynamic. And I think that that's a that's a big part of things that you don't always consider when you're mad at a player because you watched a bad game. But when you look at a whole season and you look at dynamic dynamics, I think Mo has been really, really important to this team. He's he's the glue guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, functionally, he's the glue guy. And that's one of the things Mo really brings to the court is is like you said, Cassidy, those little things, the active hands. And, you know, moving in a way that other players also know where to move. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about Mo Harkless lately because in the exit interviews, one of the things that Neil Olshay kept saying over and over again that really has started to bother me, and I hear it repeated all over the place, and it's one of those things where sometimes words just really bother me. And 
one of the things that Olshay kept saying was he kept talking about the guys that were reclamation projects. Um, and I just uh. think those guys who he's talking about as reclamation projects would probably really love to not be called that anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there was this whole thing about how they could, you know, he could pick guys up whose careers were over and then they came to Portland and they got salvaged or whatever. And I just feel like when guys have put in the amount of work for us to still be referring to them as, you know, uh, projects or guys who were picked up off the scrap heap or who were, you know, yeah. traded for, for a bag of chips or whatever, I just feel like they've earned some a different way to describe them. But then I was yeah, like, they're not they're not used cars. Yeah. yeah. They're 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 people and they're people who have to put in that amount of work to make it happen. The organization mm-hmm. doesn't make it happen for you. They provide you a basis, they can help encourage you, but it it comes down to a player making those improvements. Totally. It, it nobody gets credit for that but the player and the support that was given to them. So, I mean, it, that is not a I don't like that phrase either. I it needs to go away. <laughs> yeah, if you if anybody comes up with any uh different ones. I mean, I get where they're coming from because the mm-hmm. point is that there were players who had, you know, looked like they weren't, you know, going to fulfill their potential and then they came to Portland and they did really well. So I like I I get the idea. But I just, if I could come up with a better phrase, I would use it. So if anybody comes up with a better phrase, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, most improved player. Okay, how about best player off the bench? Lindsay, are you going to say Zach Collins? Uh, You know it. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, Zach did really well off the bench and um, but, you know, he wasn't the best at times this year, but one of the things he said over and over again is, is really stuck with me is that he always says he tries to bring the energy when he's coming on the floor. And he, he's given a lot of credit to Ed Davis for teaching him that last year in particular. And I think that is one of the things he does well in games is he brings that spark in when he comes in off the bench. And, you know, it really can determine what, what the bench does, how many how many points they make and what happens on the floor. Because if he's not bringing that, they're not feeling it and nothing happens. How about you, Cassidy? Six man, favorite player off the bench. I think, I think, oh gosh, I want to, I'm kind of torn between saying Cantor because there were a lot of times that he did come off the bench, but also I think there was a lot of importance to watching what Seth Curry did this year. I think Mm -hmm. having that continuation of the style of play keep on happening, even when Dame and CJ aren't out there was really quintessential to the player development that has happened and the seamlessness of players playing with each other that I think really plays to Stotts' favor and a lot of the time in the way that he does lineups. And so I think I'm going to have to give this one to Seth. Nice. You know, for me, you know, I want to recognize Rodney Hood because I think the best, uh, you know, coming in off the bench and saving the day was him coming off the bench in the fourth overtime <laughs> having yeah. been the only person that had any legs and seeking that shot to end that game. So I would say that was the best like uh, individual performance. Although I can't remember if he started 
that game. Did he ever start? Shoot, no, I can't remember. Um, he, he started a few times. I don't think he started that game. Not that game, though. Okay. So we can call that off-the-bench performance. I thought that was quite remarkable. But I want to also put in a plug for Evan Turner and his ability to organize the team. Um, You know, that that second unit, I think he was crucial. And I think on a lot of nights, he was crucial to the bench being able to pull it together and not give up or even build on a lead. That is something that we've not seen for a while. Um, and I, it was funny because at least during the playoffs, I, there was a lineup that would come in and it was, you know, it was anchored by him. And I think it was, you know, Hood and Collins. Or I can't remember who else it was, but it was this uh, lineup. And I'd be like, oh, gosh, this is a lineup that you just have to wait it out because it would they'd come uh-huh. in and it would be kind of rough to get started. But then they'd get it together and then they would really start clicking. But I really think that uh, Evan Turner was key to the the improvement of the bench this year. And, you know, I wish that he scored more. I, but I don't know that that's what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's supposed to be creating opportunities for other players. I wish that I was more confident when he does have to be the guy who has the ball in his hand, that he could step out and take the three enough so that people would uh, guard him. Although there was, a game or there was uh, in the Western conference finals, there was one play where I was so excited. I tweeted about it when it happened, it happened because he, (laughs) he had a shot from the corner and he had two guys from golden state rush out. And I was like, my year could end right now (laughs) because they had two guys from (laughs) golden state. Their defense fell apart enough that they both rushed out to guard Evan Turner on a three point corner shot. So (laughs) I was quite satisfied with that. But anyway, yeah, I want to give a a plug for ET as my six man of the year. He deserves it. I mean, he's, he's another glue guy. Um, And you know, the role he plays from the bench is kind of that point point forward role, Mm -hmm. which is, was Detlef Schrempf's role for the Sonics. And I love watching Evan Turner play. Um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like to shoot the three. It's not that he can't, it's that he doesn't like it. And, and I think that's a key distinction to make. Well, and he really is, like he says, money from mid range, you know? Yes. Um, and when he starts backing into you it is pretty hard <laughs> to, I think, stand up against. That's a lot of weight coming at you. Uh, yeah <laughs> from there yeah. so he d- he does have some things that um you know other teams might not have a counter for okay well we got it let's wrap this up here by starting um looking a little bit towards next year who's your most anticipated player to watch next season and Lindsay, i can't decide whether or not i'm gonna let you say zach collins or not <laughs> <laughs> I, I anthony simons for me okay. hands down yeah, it's Anthony all the way. So is that just like I'm, based on you know the glimpses that you've seen, and you just are like, yeah, where is this going like, to go? His game against Sacramento, like I said earlier, was just so phenomenal, and it, it got me so excited for the future of this squad. And you know, of all the, we have all these young guys that they may not see a lot of time uh, on the court, but they have phenomenal talent, mm-hmm. and to know that they're backing up guys like. Damon CJ is it's kind of a there's a sense of relief there you know how every year the Blazers go out and get a a backup point guard 
who's like on a one-year contract. <laughs> I wonder if this might be the year that they don't do that because they've because they have enough confidence that it could be Anthony. You know what I mean? It was like you know, Tim Frazier and um, who else have they had in that? Who um, you know? Uh, this year it was well Seth and being a shooting guard. Wade Baldwin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always kind of go out and, and find somebody just on a one-year contract. But I just wonder if uh, this year they might have enough confidence in Anthony. What do you think, Cassidy? I think that could be – I hope it is because I would love to watch him play so much more. <laughs> um, I think my pick's going to go to – since Lindsay can't say it, I get to say Zach Collins. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> I love watching him play. I am so excited to see you where his game goes and you can't beat that attitude on the court. I love it. Definitely. (laughs) I too am excited um, about Zach Collins because, you know, I think there's going to be another year of him bulking up a little bit more. And he just seems like somebody who learns from his mistakes. He may not be able to apply right away what he learns, but he definitely like you don't miss you don't see him make the same bonehead mistake over and over again. And I was so right. excited at the end of the season where he was getting more prolific with his rebounds. Yeah. Uh you know, because beginning of the year he kind of struggled to hang on to the ball like he could get in there but he really struggled hanging on to it. And I don't know if he's figured out like kind of how to protect it and shield it better. But I was really excited in the playoffs because he was grabbing the ball and holding on to it. And I was like, yes, this is this is going to be nice when um, Zach gets, you know, gets a hold of the ball like that. I, I like that. But I also Mo Harkless is kind of someone I'm really looking forward to because I'm really looking forward to him continuing to play really well because he's just somebody I'm always going to stick up for because I think he figured out a lot of things this season, not just because, you know, he worked through his injury, but he figured out what his role was for the team. And I think that made a big difference in him showing up and being fully present and making a difference just about every night as much as he you know possibly could. So I'm really looking forward to him continuing with that. I'm just wondering if maybe other teams may have noticed him in the playoffs and, um, you know, might be interested in talking about trades or deals because I know the Blazers are going to do all kinds of things or could potentially, uh, you know, he might with his expiring contract, he might be somebody that um, that people are interested in. Okay, last question about. Uh, the season or looking into, I guess, kind of peeking into the off season. Does anybody have like a crazy prediction that, uh, that you think might happen in the off season? And it, you can like totally is as a, like a total guess prediction or like fantasy <laughs> thing that you wish would happen. My, my fantasy thing that I wish would happen is that Ennis Cantor, decides to stay in Portland and is willing to sign for less money than he deserves to make that happen. All right. That's, that's a good one. That's a good fantasy. Cause he's, <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be a really great thing if it happens. And it's one of those that's like just plausible enough that you can talk yourself into being like, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he could really have a happy home here, and exactly. but I'm really worried because he's going on this massive tour of like all over the United States, yeah. you know, <laughs> doing these camps, which means he's going to get to like get to know all these different communities. Like, no, no, you should do all those here. <laughs> yeah, that thirty tour that I'm I'm excited for all those kids all over those places. <laughs> Hopefully, not in NBA towns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, that would also, I think that would have to be my hope and dream at this point as well. But, you know, I always like a fun draft day. Uh So, you know, I'm just looking for the Blazers to do anything in the draft. It's, it's fun, whether it involves us getting draft picks or not. I just like hearing our name when I'm watching the entire draft coverage. Yeah. Cause it's a long night. (laughs) Yeah. That's my (laughs) hope and dream. (laughs) So my uh, wild fantasy is the Blazers making a trade for one year of Anthony Davis. Okay, I'll just put it out there. I just, I know it's really, but the thing is, is the historically these big trades that involve marquee players always come out of left field. Like everybody's always talking about this one thing and, you know, it looks like league sources say these guys are having a conversation or there's something going on going on. And whatever ends up happening is like Kawhi DeMar DeRozan swap. It was like, oh gosh, who saw that coming? That was crazy. Mm-hmm. These things are never the obvious. They're, they're just never obvious. And right now, Anthony Davis to Boston is like the obvious, like the, you know, it's the main or Anthony Davis to somewhere in California. Like those are like the main storylines. And I think some once a storyline catches on, I think that makes it less likely to happen unless it's Kevin Durant to New York. Cause that's totally going to happen. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> so of course that would probably mean no CJ, which would be a bummer because I really enjoyed CJ this year. Um, but I don't know. I think it, I think it would be fun to be all in for one year because we're seeing what Toronto is getting for their being in all in for one year on a guy. It's true. Yeah. That seems to have panned out pretty well for them. And they do have a Definitely. really good, the, what is it? The Kauai eats free campaign or whatever <laughs> that's going on in Toronto where these there's signs everywhere and he can eat wherever he wants for free. Yeah, he's got a lot of things to think about. I think it'll be really interesting to uh, to see what he decides to do. I mean, I'm, you know, if I had to guess what was going to happen based on knowing absolutely nothing and having no experience with any of these, I would think that he's going to leave anyway. But I think that would be so funny that he would, like, you know, come in for one year, get Toronto all the way to the championship round or get them a championship and then, you know, leave to go on to whatever his original plan was. And he would be like, I believe he would be more than anything just appreciated by Toronto. Whereas mm-hmm. you have Kevin Durant who came to Golden State and, you know, makes them even better and they get all these championships and everyone's like, oh, my God, when is he leaving? <laughs> I know yeah. that's terrible. And I'm, I'm a terrible person for even thinking that. But I just think it's an interesting no. juxtaposition. <laughs> no, I'm not terrible. No, I'm a former Sonics fan. I, I have strong feelings about Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do go on. What do you think he's going to oh, do? I think he's headed to New York. So, Yeah, I think so too. Who do, you, who do you think is going to New York with him? That's really the question. That's, and that's a tough one. At this point, I, 
I wouldn't dare to guess. So, what do you think, Cassie? You think Kyrie or Rachel? I'm le- I'm leaning towards Ky- Kyrie would like New York, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, never a dull moment though. That's for sure. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us for this edition of the Hoops and Talks podcast. Thanks everyone for listening, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. What do you, this summer, you got any topics that you want to come back on to talk about anything that you're just like dying to, uh, chew over for a while? Uh, I'm on the draft coverage team for the, for Blazers edge. So anything related to the draft, I'm your girl. Oh, right on. Okay. Well, that's like a month away. It's hard to believe Mm -hmm. that is coming up. So we will talk to you soon then so we can take that over. So do you want to tell people how, how they can find you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Corvallisonian, or you can find me under the byline L Hostetler on Blazers Edge. Right on. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everyone for listening. We love email. You can email us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. You can follow me at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and you can find Cassidy at Cassidy Gemmett on Twitter. Don't forget to holo- follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And of course, once again, we'll remind you, you can subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. Lindsay, thanks for joining us. For Cassidy, this is Tara, and we'll catch you next time.